In this captivating podcast episode, we have the privilege of sitting down with Principal Greg Wells. Throughout his extensive career, Greg has weathered seemingly impossible challenges, changes and disruptions. From critical incidents to sensitive conflicts, the role of a school leader is often tested in the most challenging moments. Join us as Greg shares with us the real life stories, tools and strategies that allow him to navigate each storm he faces. Welcome to the Flourish Movement Podcast. I'm Dr. Adam Fraser and I'm joined by Bob Willits. G'day Adam, great to see you. Good to have you here, Bob. And one of the things as an outsider who studies school leaders, something that just never wears off is just the shock of some of the situations you have to deal with. And I mean really emotional, really traumatic, really difficult situations. Yeah, absolutely, Adam. In fact, the job is sometimes referred to as the best job in the world with some of the worst days imaginable. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, absolutely. Because as you say, you know, we're dealing with families and we're dealing with people, we're dealing with children, and it's a fantastic job and it is the best job in the world on most days. But sometimes when you're they're experiencing really significant trauma, absolutely it can be, you can have the worst days imaginable. And that's why today we're really, really lucky to have our guest, Greg Wells. We're really excited to have him on the podcast. Greg has had a long and successful career as a school leader in multiple contexts. He's also done the role as principal school leader where he's been able to use his skills to support so many other principals. Actually, I'm fortunate enough he was a principal school leader down in our area and, you know... I was able to work with Greg and, and he provided incredible support for me on, on just one of those occasions where it was really great to have his experience uh, benefit myself and my team. And he's also had to deal with an incredible amount of challenges himself throughout his career. So great to have you here, Greg. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, good afternoon, guys. How are you? Very good. Great, great to have to you along. Nice to be here. Can you just give us a bit of background to you and how long you've been a principal? Yeah, no, I started uh, 22 years ago. Uh, I came down from southwest Sydney and I came down in 2001. And um, I've had, as I said, 22 years, which have been, you know, mostly really enjoyable, often challenging and sometimes really quite critical. Now, Greg, we're going to talk about your superpower. And I know even off, offline you were talking about I'm really uncomfortable with that phrasing of it's my superpower but one thing we know about you is your ability to stay calm under pressure and in these situations that are quite awful is something we want to tap into and just before we start uh i had uh i think she might have been a deputy of yours in one of the flourish groups and uh i gotta tell you if one person talks about me as glowing as what she did i'll be very happy and, you know, she just talked about the amazing levels of support she got, how you do handle hard situations really well, but also you're a really great mentor. So, Greg, like what I want to pull apart is how your superpower of staying calm in the moment, like how is this something you do and, and is it teachable? Like what, what can you share with people? Yeah, look, Adam and Bob, it is teachable, but uh, most people that know me would probably say calm. Wellesley, no, <laughs> uh, not the case. But um, one of the things that uh, resonates for me is just that we slow things down. And uh, if you've ever been involved in an accident or you see it on television, 
it's almost like things go in a slow motion. And uh, when things are occurring for me, that, that mantra of I must slow this down, I must be very deliberate, I try to be intentional. And I try to be accountable to showing up and being present for what it is that we're dealing with because everyone has something that's critical or something urgent uh, or something that's challenging. I suppose it's working out to what level and degree and then where do I get alongside them so that I can do what I need to do, whatever that is, um, based on what they share with you and what, what the luxury or the privilege of them sharing that with you is. So what's, um, wait, and what's the difference between challenge and... Challenging is and uh, critical. Challenging is that happens every day of the week. Yeah, in, right. in schools, <laughs> we get we get the privilege of that. That's just one of those good things about the job. Uh, challenging is, you know, how do I get the staffing mix right? How do I yeah. organise to have the right people in the right place? How do I organise a budget tool that doesn't quite work the way whereas, I want it to? Whereas critical is Critic, what you described. Before. Critical is, you know, someone comes in and shares some horrific news. Yeah, uh, you pick up a phone at whatever time and. At the end of that phone call, is a message you don't want to hear because you know what involves. Now, before we get into the nuts and bolts of how you stay calm in these moments, are there any moments you want to kind of share to give people an understanding of some of the difficulty you've had? Uh, as a, a, a young principal, I've been a principal for this is starting my twenty third year, so I started very young, and uh, I was just by the sheer virtue of being in the school, thrust into a situation in my very early career, first couple of weeks where we had, unfortunately, a horrific situation where I had a, um, a student who lost his life and, and uh, another member of the family as well through a, a suicide. And um, in a very quick uh, period of time, we had eight people... Uh, over a two-year period that, oh, wow. that had critical incidents that resulted in loss of life. Uh, it wasn't anything amazing I did. Uh, it was more a collective endeavour. But when you're managing critical incidents of that nature, uh, there were some things that really good people got alongside me and they worked with me and the school and our community. And uh, some of those lessons, hard to learn on the way through, taught me a lot about who I wanted to be. Uh, all those sorts of things about when I'm all grown up, yeah. I'd like to be a person like this. And, and I suppose it was through some of those tough times that uh, I learned by watching, working alongside, but also having to get out and lead the school community, uh, working with the families and our staff to get through some of those tough times. You talked about slowing things down. So obviously when you have these critical incidents, everyone's hyped and we're trying to respond really quickly. Give us some more understanding of that slowing down piece. Yeah, I've, I've heard you say in meetings something to the effect of uh, you don't see ambulance officers run to an emergency, something like that. Yeah, it's um, first aid responders or first first responders. Uh, if, if there's an accident, I'd get a bit worried if the AMBO turned up, took their equipment out, walked over and went, oh my God, there's blood everywhere <laughs> and started screaming. I think uh, they're very deliberate in what they do. They, they have a procedure or process that they're following. And, and I think, you know, to use a cricketing metaphor, they play the ball that's in front of them. Not the ball they want, not their best stroke, but they look for what is happening and what's my next step. Uh, if they're really prepared, they might go, my next step is, and the one after that might be. But it's about slowing it down. That third space uh, was a really big learning for me, turning up, 
and understanding that each time you turn up, whether it's a conversation with a cleaner, whether it's a conversation with a parent or a teacher or whomever, it's about turning up and being present for that person because they're choosing to spend some time with you, so you need to be present, suspend your judgments, suspend what you think it might be. As a principal, for a long time, it's almost like there's only 12 conversations we have. They're just with different people. Mm. But what I have to do is say, hang on a minute, stop, put my, my brain in reverse often, slow it down, and actually not just listen, but lean in and hear. What are they saying? What's happening here? I really love that. I'm just thinking as you're talking about that sense of playing the ball that you dealt, because you might be a, a principal or an ambulance officer and you've dealt with a, a, the same or seemingly the same situation a hundred times, but you're actually walking in every time to a new situation with new people with new families, with new staff and with new students. And so, you know, withholding and suspending that judgment, as you say, and, and treating everyone as as they turn it, turn up to that situation is, is actually really important. I find that often we're not listening. We think we are or we're listening to respond. And sometimes the pause, whether it's a deliberate pause by yourself or when the person or the incident's in front of you and it is a moment to think, it actually gives you a little bit of time to think and to listen. And, and what I find is sometimes people are far cleverer than me. You'll find a solution together. Mm. But you don't have to smash everything out of the park. Mm. And sometimes it's not about how clever you are as a principal in trying to find the solution. It's how you work together with people so that you build a solution together. When they've got skin in the game, there's a greater chance of it being successful. The thing about managing those situations are that you're there giving to everybody else as the leader and there's a lot of output. So tell me about the strategies you use for self-care. How do you refill your cup and replenish so that you can continue to manage those situations and continue to bring your A game? I think that you know we have to be strong in regards to how we set and we keep boundaries. Most people can set them, but keeping and maintaining yeah, them, it's very that's different. a bit difficult. Um there's a few things that I think most successful people or people that are dealing with these things do and they we all learn to do them better. Yeah. But I think establishing some boundaries is really important. Um, as, as principals, I think sometimes we've, we try to hit every ball. You know, if, we're, if we think of cricket, we're, we, we, we try to hit every ball and if we can, we'll hit it out of the park. Now, there are going to be things that you leave it, and it's as important what you leave as what you go after. Because there's things that you have to do. So the things that you do, you make sure you do them very deliberately. You go through them in a, a slow, deliberate, authentic manner. And there are going to be some things that at a particular time you might say, I'm leaving this. This is not the key point. So as an outsider, my thought is, well, wouldn't you put everything else aside if you're dealing with something critical? Doesn't that happen naturally? Well, <laughs> uh, I'd, lo I'd love to say it does, but, but <laughs> schools are busy, exciting, wonderful places with lots and lots of people. And, and our systems are go, go, go. So sometimes during some, when something's about to occur, you still have the email chain. You still have directives. You still have um, situations where they require information. You're going to have the person asking about the excursion and the buses. You're going to have the canteen having a problem. You've got a little one that's in. You've got a parent that's lobbed in the doorstep. So what it's about sometimes is allowing and giving yourself permission to have some boundaries and create time. And that's where we lean in on our teams 
we create that time and we focus on what's important. And Bob, sometimes the other part is you can't be everything to everyone. You know, often principals try to cut themselves a bit too thin because they're trying to keep everyone happy, they're trying to keep everyone and they're worried about everybody around them, they're worried about the optics or the perceptions of how it looks and what we need to do is lean in on our teams or our, our, our extended teams so that we can work out where is our best point, where is the optimal you know, point of, of, of putting and investing ourselves because that's a part of the boundary. Yeah. You can't be everything to everyone all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And the second piece about boundaries there is the boundary, I think, about having work stay at work and not have that negative spill that comes into your home life. So do you have specific things in place for that? Oh, you have to, otherwise it'll drive you crazy. Um, and the other part of that is not only will it drive you crazy, but you're not going to be able to show up. And that's that third space. If you don't have boundaries that create space for you to be your best person, whether it's at home with your family or with your colleagues and friends, you need to be your best person every each and every time. So People, what do you actually do? Um, lots of things, I suppose. One of the one of the first things that I do is is that we, you know, my wife and I, we set aside time where in the morning we get up, we go for a walk. We actually invest in trying to spend some time doing something where we make as a priority time to actually go for that walk or do something physical as an activity on the treadmill or whatever it might be so that I actually invest in getting my, my head, my body and myself into that headspace where I feel good. You know, I make sure I have a time I go to bed. Mostly it's pretty boring. 9.30 during the week, 9.30. I don't the get rock it. Star lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> Lifestyles are rich and famous. I am not. But if I go later, what happens is I'm using fuel, and I know I need it. Yeah. And it doesn't doesn't bode well. You know, I I enjoy uh, making connections with people. You know, connecting with friends, family, making sure that I'm on the phone, whether it's in person, but just connecting with people and having fun. Like we've got a gem of a job. It's fantastic. We get to meet wonderful people, but also connecting with people outside of teaching. Uh, I think it's really important as well. Well, th- this is something I've noticed about you a lot is you do develop those deep connections and you often turn to those people for support. Following a critical incident or just in general, how important is the role of relationships and how do you use those to help get over those critical incidents? In property, they say location, location, location. In schools, relationships, relationships, yeah. relationships. Yeah. That's on a good day and any other, other day. Um, one of the best things that we can do is that when we work with our, our colleagues is we, we do a lot of emotional investment in the piggy bank and we've got a lot of time where we spend with people. As a principal, we get a front row seat to our staff lives, their families, uh, to the level at which they're comfortable in sharing that with us, we're pretty privileged. We often work with our students and their families. We see them at their very best and sometimes we see them on days that are really hard days for them and sometimes those days stretch out. Those relationships are the transactional gold that we lean in on when it's tough and, and it's when we work with our families, if they have that inkling, that understanding that you know and understand them, you know, they will give and they will work with you in a way that they wouldn't otherwise. So how do you build these relationships? Is there a specific strategy? Is it just who you are? Like, 
how do you build better connection with your parent body or staff? Like, what do you do? I think it's being curious. It's just by being real, authentic, and um, being interested in them and their children. Uh, You know, I stand out the front gate every morning and afternoon. Parents seem to really enjoy that. It always rates highly. Don't actually do much out there other than say g'day and I'm interested in them. But I think that uh, what parents value is that they see that you're invested in their children, they see that you're invested in their school, and they see that you're there for them. And that's really important. I think there's another piece of that that I've experienced and, and it was amazing after we actually did one of the Flourish programs uh, that another colleague of ours made a call to me one afternoon and he said, I've got to take my own advice and I've got to do exactly what we said we have to do and I'm calling you, I don't need you to do anything else except for just listen right now but I have had a really bad day. And how he set that up was gold obviously but also just in terms of the what you're talking about, about the investment that you give, the moment that you need to reach out and show vulnerability and seek that psychological safety because you invest so much, it's very easy to lean in and and seek that support from people. And I think it's really important as leaders that we do that. But that's why self-care. You can't give to someone if you're not in that space to be able to. And if you're trying to give with an empty tank, it, it just, you don't have, you're not able to sustain it. And then it becomes at a cost to either you or your family or what you're doing at work. So in our job, you know, you've got to turn up. You've got to turn up each and every moment because kids, your staff, your community, they won't have it any other way. So self-care is gold. If you don't do it, you are gone. One of the things we've noticed, Greg, is that even in the darkest and hardest times, you never lose your sense of humour. How do you do that? Um, you know, in a world where you can be anything, we've all heard the, the phrase, be kind. But I think some part, parts of that is in a world where you can be anything, be kind, but be kind to yourself. Now, uh, there's that sense of humour that's a bit warped or what have you, and I think we need to have that, <laughs> that funny that sort of dark sense yeah, of humour. Yeah, <laughs> a dark sense of humour is a great thing because what it does is it, it allows you to release some energy. You know, if, if, you've, if you're holding something and you're tense and tight and what have you about something that's happened, you know, at an appropriate time, in an appropriate place, you know, you might make a a, a joke and often the best jokes are at your own expense. Mm. They're safe. It's safe to make fun of yourself. Um, You know, everyone is often very challenged. They're very tense. They're very uptight. Um, And sometimes, you know, at an appropriate moment, away from the, the immediacy of what you've been dealing with, you've maybe had the debrief and you've wrapped around people to check and you've followed up... And uh, it might be that silly joke, that, that, that comment, um, you know, I wasn't I an idiot or whatever, but just that sense of humour and, and not taking yourself too seriously. Take the job seriously, but allow yourself to be human. Can you give us an example at the th- risk of uh, opening that Pandora box of, of how humour has served you in one of these really challenging times? Uh, sometimes it's, it's that that dark humour away from the situation with a different group. And, um, you know, often when I'm working with uh, a new team, I'll have them come in and we, we might do a, a meeting with somebody together. And that way we're both coaching each other after the event to talk about, you know, where did we get traction, where didn't we, you know, what was your intention there, what might you have done, what could you have done. And it's, it's often then that you bring in that humour. You know, like I had a gentleman the other day 
and he was um, turning off. He was pretty upset, and and you know, as a dad, I can understand that. And I said to him, "Come in, you know, we'll talk." I'm a dad. I can I can see you're upset, and uh, he was letting fly. He was really letting rip. And uh, at the end of the meeting, when he left, and you know, we 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 looked to get a a bit of a plan to move forward. Uh, the assistant principal with me said, "Oh my God, that was intense, Greg. You know, how are you?" And I said, "Wasn't that bad?" I said, "There was a lot of spit flying around, and none of it hit me." <laughs> you know, you just got you got to look for the small wins in life, haven't you? <laughs> and it broke the tension because the young girl that was with me was quite tense about it because she could feel the emotion that the dad had. But you don't take it personally. We're wearing just as people are first responders often wear a uniform. Yeah. When people bring that 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 tense, uh, you know, huge frustration, they're not having a go at me. They don't know me personally. They know the perception or the person I present. But I think as principals what we've got to do is, and it's not easy because we're so heavily invested, is we, we have to put a bit of distance between ourselves of where we are and the person they're talking to. It's almost like a third space where you're looking outside your body yeah. and you're saying they're angry. They're angry with the principal. They're not angry with Greg Wells. And in a way, it's the privilege, it's the cost of leadership. They don't know me. They know who they believe I am. And I think it's important that you maintain almost a distance between who your professional self is and who you are. Yes, there's a lot of connections. Greg Wells is Greg Wells. But in the job, I am a principal that's fulfilling a role. And I'm not bound and limited by my role. Because I'm a person. I'm an individual. I'm a person that does things outside of that role. And flourish was one thing that taught me you should not be defined by your role. Yeah, it's not your identity. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know what? Often parents, when they've had the spray, that one was literal, but when they've had the spray, <laughs> they've got it off their chest. And, you know, it's, it's that stuff about you look for that complexity, those opportunities, because that's an opportunity in. They've, they've actually, whether they've realised or not, allowed themselves to be vulnerable. Not many times do they go away going, oh, I showed them. More often than not, they're not that happy with what's happened. Yeah. And it's a chance to go back to them. How are you? Look, I could see, you know, it might be the next day, might be later that day, but you go back to them and say, how are you? You know, that wouldn't have been easy. I could see you're upset. I'm a dad. And that's where, you you know, you work with the empathy and that connection with people because I don't know any parents that get out of bed and say, I want to bugger it up today. They're working the best they can. They're trying to support their kids. That's... Like, the level of empathy and care and lack of judgment, how, how do you do that when you've got someone yelling at you and, you know, yeah. using certain language? You know, to go back to them with kindness, that's extraordinary. It's about slowing it down. Yeah. You're breathing. You know, we're not in the reptilian part of the brain. Yeah, we've got we don't have circle to. back to We do. And that's, yeah, exactly. Slow it down. Breathe. Connect. Lean in on them. Find out what their issue is. Suspend the judgment. Look beyond the presentation and then work with them. And sometimes it's not working with them. The next step isn't to find the solution. The strategy might be, I'm going to read to you what I've written down. I'm going to say what I've heard. Is this right? It's using oh, those with strategies. Oh, the parents in the meeting. Yeah. Let me... 
Exactly. Ensure that I understand Look, you correctly. Sometimes I have to say it's not always just parents. It can be a staff member. It can be someone from the community. It could be someone from the department. What you've yeah. got to do is just the same strategy. It's about going back, circling around and saying, this is what I'm hearing. Making not just sure, listening. Making sure there's a shared understanding exactly. of what the exact issue is. Yeah, and that acknowledges them, but also, like you're constantly buying yourself time, aren't you? During COVID, one of the things that I talked about was, does this bring us closer to our community? That was my only litmus. Everything we did, that was the, che- the test. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've learnt uh, as a principal is that every opportunity you get is an opportunity to build. We've got an opportunity to construct. And, it, and you do that by being human. People aren't after perfection. They're after someone that cares and someone that works with them. And the great thing about Flourish that I've found is it's enabled me to amplify some of the things that I do for myself outside of school, but I'm now circling around and bringing them inside school. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, just on that, what has been the impact on you from using these strategies? What's been, how has that affected you as a person? The biggest impact has been in some of the boundary strength that I have around saying what I will do and won't do, the way in which I prioritise my work. So I, I, chase, I don't chase workload, I chase work value. Oh, you know, looking that. for the joy, trying to find where, where it is that's exciting. So every session, I'm not in my office. I take great joy in having a mobile phone in my pocket and I say, I'm down in the preschool. I'm down in one of the support classes. I'm going to see such and such. I'm out and about. Visibility is highly important as a principal, but it's about getting out there and finding the joy. Um, I look at uh, my connection. How am I connecting to get to know what people value? It's amazing when you get alongside your colleagues, whether they be teachers, SLSOs, your admin team, and you find out what they value and the work they're doing and the pride they have in it. If you can acknowledge that and, and, and understand how that connects to the system so all the parts are moving, move in sync, then that's where you establish the team and that's where you start to get you know, the high impact, high impact in the quality of what we're doing high impact in terms of your own self-fulfilment, but more importantly, high impact in terms of students learning, teachers learning, and your community learning together. Yeah, I mean, there's a common theme coming through. Like, I, I know the focus has been critical incidents and... And, and highly, those moments. big yeah, challenges. The big stuff that really rocks you. But it sounds like you take the exact same mindset and strategies to, like... Every interaction almost, every time you show up to something. I'm not smart enough to have any other strategies, <laughs> I'm the yokel local fella that gets through. But I think, you know, there's a strategy in which you have to amplify things. And I think the way that you turn up, the way that you build time, the way that you lean in, the way that you listen to hear and hear to listen and the way that you have your boundary with your connections, that either dials up or dials down depending on where you're at, what the situational context is, and how you're trying to move forward. Because if you're not moving forward, you're going backwards. We can't stand still. Our communities don't allow us to, and nor should they. And we as the teachers that we all are, our moral imperative doesn't allow us not to be moving forward. All right, we've talked about going into a critical incident, how do you come out the other side? Like, what do you do to, to, 
decompress or let go of that sometimes really, really emotional thing? Like, is it that you speak to your colleagues and the dark humour comes in? Look, that's a part of it, but that's not the only part. If you just stayed there, I think it would be unhealthy. I think sometimes it's, it's, it's a mixture of so many things, but strategies that I use is, you know, I lean in on health and exercise, yeah. um, the connection in terms of with my wife and our families, uh, making sure that we've got strategies in place with, you know, what we're going to do, when we're going to do it. So we're very deliberate. We organise for connections with colleagues, but also connections with friends and family members, some of which many are, we are not teachers, and it's nice to have that balance. Um, but I also think that there's part of it where you lean in on, you know, and, and we don't talk about this enough, it's nice to be proud. You know, I remember one of your talks, you talked about, you know, oh, my superpower is I'm on the couch. You know, I'm great at watching television. You know, some of the things that I've been most proud of, they've actually been the most challenging. They've been the things that I didn't think I could do it. Or I've stood there and gone, I'm not sure how I'm going to do this. But by slowing it down, following processes, working through with people, leaning in to hear, and getting that sense of, okay, what's our first and next step? You know, we always say, I know Bob and I, with PPC meetings and other uh, occasions, lean in on policy. Policy is your friend. But it's the way you do it and the people you do it with. That's what will make the difference. And, you know, some, some occasions you have to make those relationships really quickly. But what people don't need is they don't need uncertainty. They can cope with you saying, right, this is difficult. What are we going to do? How do we do it? And collaboratively co-designing the process. What they can't cope with is someone that charges off. And I know. And, and this and is what we're going to do. Own? They go fast, but they go alone. What we need to do is how we go. We go well, we go slow, but we go together. We do it methodically, deliberately. We do it with a, a, an accountability to each other. And it's not a hard accountability that we measure each other. It's an accountability that we've got each other because we've taken the time. We've leaned in on each other and we've listened. But I go right back to if you don't put the money in the bank and invest in yourself and prepare yourself and self-care and give yourself that opportunity to be the best you can be, all you're doing is setting yourself up for a fall. The magic in, in being in our role in these challenging, complex and sometimes very critical situations the magic is, it's a privilege. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, it's not nice. Yes, it can be very emotional. But what there is, is there's a moment where we can be human. We can reach out to people and we can give them the opportunity to allow them to be vulnerable, but know they can lean in on systems and structures and people and validate that it's actually okay to be not okay at times, yeah. but it's how you move forward. Because if you stay in the I'm not okay zone, that's not healthy. Mm. It's not healthy for anyone. You know, the reason why they drop the oxygen mask in the aeroplane, we all know that, is so you can put it on yourself and then you look after someone else. And so often, principles draw from an empty tank. And what they've got to have is a full tank and be healthy and look after themselves as individuals and people and then as the professional. Mm. And that way they're able to invest in being the best person at the right time, in the right place. I don't know anyone, Adam, that hasn't survived 100% of their worst days. 
And, you know, one of the things that happens with us, and I was saying to Bob uh, yesterday, I think it was, I said, you know, sometimes we'll accept criticism of people we wouldn't go to, to get advice. You know, you accept criticism of people you wouldn't go to get advice. And you know who's often our worst critic? Ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How often do you think, oh, you bash yourself up and someone sees it very differently? And I think when we've got these really challenging, complex situations, we need to often lean in on a team, but we also need to lean out and say, this is Greg in a role. It's not Greg as a person. Mm. Yeah, it'll have an impact on me and I need to go and debrief or I need to in, you know, access certain things. I've rung heaps. I've said to them, I just want to talk. I just need to lean in and talk. But I want an answer. I just want to get this off my chest. Mm. You know, it's it's heavy. You know, um, so. But I think that if we if we can look after each other, and I go back to a comment I think I made earlier, we are in a human, the business of humans. It's a human endeavour. Yet so often we get hooked up on processes, structures, the emails. I've got to make sure I've got that return. And I think we need to lean in on just being people and being the best we can be. To summarise what you've discussed is that in those critical moments, we want to slow it down. We want to take a breath. We want to get other people's perspectives. You know, and, and in that you really say, listen to hear. And you know, obviously it's about how we show up to those critical moments, not being the paramedic that runs in screaming. So... And, and obviously boundaries around that that allow you to focus on that moment and really deal with it and not be distracted by other things. Yeah, absolutely. And then building on that for yourself, that really high importance you've touched on of practising self-care. Yeah, the investing oxygen, in self. Yeah, investing yeah. in yourself. You, you, so you put the oxygen mask on yourself or filled your own cup in order to be able to continue to give to others. And also what I heard is a lot of investing in others. Like in the yeah. connection to others, whether it's parents, whether it's staff. Um, the relational value. Yeah. And, and yeah, a couple of things I heard about we naming and validating people's experience or acknowledging people's experience. And you know, what struck me is that empathy and that lack of judgment for the parent that does come in and tee off on you. And when you see them next, it's you don't give them the the brush or you don't um, you, you actually engage with them and probably the last thing that we have that you touched on that I just want to circle back to is that sense of humor and the role that that plays as well and I see a smile now because I but I, I really do think that knowing you and, and seeing and understanding the culture of the people that you most often surround yourself with professionally is that uh, that sense of humor comes out when we're facing some of our most significant challenges. Humour's important. That's a big part of my life. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we're very privileged. There's a heck of a lot of jobs harder than... I'm not out digging a hole all day. You know, I'm not up on a roof putting roof sheeting on. I'm, I'm in a job that it's a privilege. Yes, there's going to be... I double back to the comment you made. Best job in the world with a couple of really tough days or sometimes a series of tough days. You know, the good thing about our job is you actually see something of worth from it. Forget about the emails and, the, you know, all the, the busyness of schools. There's a lot of worse places you could be. Could it be worse? A hell of a lot worse. So why not have fun on the way through? At the end of the day, 
you know, we get to go home. We're in great jobs. The we kids, don't. you know, the kids are what motivate us. You know, the team that you're working with, watching the growth of those people, that's that's the part that lights you up. You know, find what lights you up, magnify it, and um, I'd prefer to go through the day with a smile on my face, having a bit of fun, than to walk around with a frown all day. I want to go back to one thing that I'm hearing is a really common theme on people we're getting onto this podcast, and that is connection to purpose. How often people go back to really holding on to and going back to what's at the core, their moral purpose, and reminding everyone around them of what their moral purpose is. When we hear that from people and we interview people, that's one of the things that we... You're talking about these times when you actually have to stand your ground and say, no, this is what we are. Yeah. And, and actually let a lot of things go because this is what we are. Uh, yeah. We're about... Uh, this is what we're here for. Yeah. We well. have a purpose. Yep. Yeah. There's a certainty in what we do. Yep, and at the centre of that is always the students. And our true north, absolutely, mate. If you don't have a true north, you're lost. And the students, and you, you'll be bounced from pillar to post all the way. You know, I don't, I don't want to be smashed and bashed by everything. And you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for something. You'll fall for everything, because that's the main game. It's finding your true north, but it's also harnessing and getting everyone alongside you, so you get a collective true north. You know, that's the main thing. Our moral and purpose drives us. We, that's our fuel that fills our tank. That's the exciting part of the job. The critical incident is an opportunity to deal with something and it gives you the opportunity to be digni- give dignity, give respect, develop relationships and what good principles, effective principles, principles that have impact is they look for every opportunity, no matter how small, or how complex or challenging, and even the critical incidents, they allow you to redefine what your true north is. That's the strength of coming to the day with purpose. What an amazing interview with Principal Greg Wells. There were so many gold moments in this episode and so much wisdom. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. See you next time.